Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 to 10. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing the nets. So he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, verse 6, verse 5, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And when he had done this, when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For ye and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And verse 10, so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask by your Holy Spirit, you will teach us today. Minister to us, Lord, individually and collectively. In Jesus' name. God has given me a word to say to one person that is here today and maybe watching online, joining us online today, or watching this rebroadcast. To let you know, it is still possible. Amen. That's the title of this word. It is still possible. Can you say that with me? It is still possible. Say it with me one more time. It is still possible. Please, one more time, say it with me. It is still possible. It is still possible. It is still possible. It is still possible. You see, in life, challenges come in life to everybody. Whether you're righteous, you're not righteous, as long as you are on this temper, you know, farmer, this terra farmer, this earth, challenges come to everybody. Even the Bible tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Challenges come to everybody. But in life, friends, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. It's not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. Challenges in life are very, very common. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver him from them all. However, listen carefully. What you believe is what determines how you will act. When challenges come your way and come my way, what you believe and what I believe is what will dictate our actions. What you believe and what I believe, what we believe is what will dictate it. That's what will inform our actions. All right? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. Paul was writing, mentoring his son in the ministry, Timothy. And he said, for this reason, Paul said, I suffered these things. So you see that Paul here is saying, I'm going through some challenges. I'm suffering these things. I suffer these things. What are these things that you are going through? But Paul says, it doesn't stop there. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that I'm going through some challenges. I'm not ashamed that I'm going through the challenges. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know whom I have believed. And I'm fully persuaded. 
Now, this is, this is very important, and it is not semantics. Many people know what they believe, but they don't know whom they believe. They know what they believe. They can, they can, they can recite the apostolic creed of faith. You know, I believe in God. You know, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in this. And that's all important. But you can know what you believe, but do you know whom you believe? Do you know the person behind the promises? He said, I know whom I believe. And that is why I'm fully persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed into his hands until the last day. In the book of Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. The Bible says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord God forever and ever. Wisdom and might are his. God is the one that changes the times and the seasons. He changes the times and the seasons. Verse 22. Verse 22, the next verse. He reveals deep and secret things. Listen, the revelation that you will act on that will trigger a change of season for you is coming your way today. The revelation you will need to act on that will trigger a change of season for you is coming your way today. God changes times and seasons. I'll never forget what the psalmist says in Psalm 31 verse 15. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Somebody is here, you've begun through some, some rough patch, some seasons, difficult seasons, you lost a job, you know, you've faced some challenges of getting a job, you face some challenges with your immigration, you face some challenges with your health, or in some areas, or with your marriage, okay? You face some challenges, but here you are today, you are still standing. Oh, somebody shout, I'm still standing. Oh, say you like you're standing, I'm still standing. Oh, frustrate the enemy by your confession. I'm still standing. Oh, yes, you threw that at me, but I'm still standing. You thought by now I'll be on the floor, but I'm still standing. I'm still standing. I'm still standing. You didn't expect me to stand again, but I'm still standing. Why am I still standing? Because it is still possible. I'm still, I'm still standing. The prophet says in the, in, in the Old Testament, he said, do not rejoice over me, my enemies. When I fall, I will arise. Oh, somebody say it again, I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah. They thought that when you lost a job, that other people have crumbled, they lost their job, they broke into pieces, but here you are, they can't, they can't imagine how you're still smiling. You know, some people, they, they thought what, you, what, you, what you're going through or what you went through should have wiped away the smile from your face. So they bothered that. <laughs> they bothered that you're still smiling. They don't know that there's something called joy unspeakable. Hey! Full of glory. Some of you have not experienced that. When you go through some challenges and the enemy is expecting you to just sit down in the corner of your house and just be crying, and here you are, you're laughing in the Holy Ghost. 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 And you're saying to the enemy, is that your worst you can throw at me? Look at me. You ain't seen anything yet. If you think you have seen something, you ain't seen anything yet. Let me say this to you. Actors don't die in the movie. Once in a while, my wife makes a big mistake. She comes to join me when I watch my action movies. And she joins me. She says, I want to watch you with you today. I said, okay, sure. Since the two shall become one, stay with me. Stay with me. Then we start watching the movie. And she's like, I see her cringing, holding on to her seat. I said, babe, calm down. Why are you sweating? Calm down. There's going to be a part two to this movie, man. (laughs) 
you know, I like Fast and Furious. I like the movie Fast and Furious. Anything fast, anything, I like action. I like Fast and Furious. And you see the way they're driving, you'll be holding on as they're driving, you'll be holding on to your own chair and thinking to yourself, they're about to crash. And they might crash sometimes, and you say, this is the end of it. Then the man will crawl out, hallelujah. Because what you're watching is Fast and Furious 5. There's going to be 6. There's going to be 7. And there's somebody here, there's a new season coming in your life. The cutting of that season is just about to open today. If it sounds like you at all, open your mouth and give him some shout of praise. I know whom I believed. I know whom I believed. In the story we just read of Peter, he fished all night. Night is a season, day is a season. Night is a season, day is a season. So he fished all night, and the Bible says he caught nothing. He had no result. He said it himself. He said, we've told all night. There was no result. There was no result. You see? So Simon Peter became frustrated with the happenings in his life in that particular season. Please pay attention to this. Then Jesus told him and said, launch out into the deep for a catch. Verse 4 of Luke chapter 5. And Peter, you could see in that story, struggled with the instruction that Jesus had given him. And the question I asked myself, I, it's obvious there that he struggled with the instruction. And some of you might struggle with the instruction God is giving you today. Or is going to give you this week. As he puts it in your spirit in this particular season. To trigger the opening of a new season for you. You, you might struggle with the instruction. But why is it that Peter struggled with this instruction? Well, as I was studying this. It came to me by the Holy Spirit. That, you see. And this is why you and I have to be careful. When you are an expert in one realm of operation. You have to also understand that you might not be an expert in a separate realm of operation. Your expertise from one realm might not be transferable to another realm. Let me clarify. Peter was an expert in the natural realm when it comes to fishing. He was an expert. This is what is done. The Bible doesn't really tell us uh, whether this is what his father has done, but from the story of the sons of Zebedee, we, we see that this fishing uh, occupation is something that parents have passed down to their children. Okay, John and James were with their father, Zebedee, when, the, when, when Jesus called them. So we see that in scripture. The Bible doesn't really tell us about the father of Peter, but we saw that Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. This is his expertise. And he automatically assumed that because he's an expert in this, and he's seeing Jesus now standing in his boat, and Jesus has no natural history of fishing. So he's thinking to himself now, this is my area of expertise. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You're encroaching in my area of operation. I'm the expert here. I'm the consultant here. I'm telling you it's not possible. You should know it's not possible. But Peter should realize that yes, Peter, nobody's denying that you're an expert in this realm of operation. But the person standing into your, in your boat is also an expert. He's also an expert in a different realm of operation. Please stay with me. Stay with me. Yeah. You see, Peter is an expert in the natural realm. Jesus is an expert in the spirit realm. You know, and Peter is ignorant of the existence and the operation of the spirit realm. Okay? Peter did not realize, as at this point, as at this point, that the spirit realm exists and that it is more real and controls the natural realm. Dictates what happened to the natural realm. The way I like to say it is that the natural realm is a dumb terminal. 
The real operation, the real CPU is the realm of the spirit. The natural realm just displays what the CPU, the realm of the spirit, has decided. It's as simple as that. So the realm of the spirit totally controls the realm of the natural. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God. So that the things that are seen were not made by the things that, are, that were visible. So the things that were not visible is what made the things that are visible. Okay, that's why the Bible says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, and it's working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. So we, why would you not look at the things that are seen, which are temporary, but the things that are not seen? For the things that are seen are temporary, the ones that are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Please stay with me. Now, you have to listen to this, please. Success in the natural realm of operation. Success in the natural realm of operation is powered by talent and skills. Success in the natural realm of operation is powered by talent and skills. If you've just come into the country, particularly in this country of Canada, okay, please pay attention. You're watching this broadcast, please pay attention. Success in this natural realm is powered by talent and skills, and I believe in talent and skills. There is the law, according to the laws that God has placed in, put in place to govern the operations of this world, you need to be able to be a valuable person. You must have value that you offer. Our talents that God has given us that we develop, okay, as we go to school, that we refine. Our skills that we acquire as we go to school, they're very important for us to operate in this realm of operation in the world. But listen carefully. However, this talent and skills that guarantee success, or that power success rather, in this natural realm, are constrained by time and space. Please pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. It is constrained by time and space. That is why it is not unusual for you to hear somebody say, when they're talking relative to their talent, skills, and actions they should have taken, for them to say, ah, if I had known, it is too late. Ah, if I had known, if only we have known, ah, it's too late. Because in this, in this three-dimensional world, we're constrained by time and space. However, success from the spirit realm is powered by faith. It's not powered by ta talent and skills, it's powered by faith. Once our faith is in place, time and space is no longer a constraint. Please, please pay attention, pay attention. Once our faith is in place, time and space is no longer a constraint. That's why you will see in scripture, people will come to Jesus, for example, Matthew 15, the Syrophoenician woman, Canaanite woman, she came to Jesus and said, my daughter is grievously vexed of the devil, she's at home, where's the daughter? She didn't bring the daughter. But Jesus spoke and said, great is of it, go. The devil has left the daughter. And straight, the devil left the daughter. Jesus did not even see the daughter. Time and space did not constrain him. The nobleman that came to Jesus in John chapter 4, exactly the same thing. Jesus said, go, your son lives. By the time the man was on his way home, some in servants met him and he said, your son lives. And he asked them, at what hour? They told him the seventh hour. Then he realized that was the same, self same hour in which Jesus told them that the son lives. So time and space is not constraining us once our faith is in place. Because the Bible says when Jesus told that man and said, go, 
your son lives, the man said, the man believed the word which Jesus had said. So, once success from the realm of the spirit is not constrained by time and space. That is why I can boldly tell somebody here, as God has instructed me to tell you, it is still possible. It is still possible. You've reached a particular age now, they've told you that this thing, it can't work. I'm here to tell you, uh, as one under the Holy Spirit, that it is still possible. I'm not speaking to everybody, I'm speaking to you. It is still possible. If you are the one I'm speaking to, come on, repeat after me. It is still possible. Yes, it is still possible. Come on, say it again, it is still possible. Oh, come on, look at that issue and say to yourself, it is still possible. Oh, it is still possible. It is still possible. Satan, you will not deceive me. Satan, you will not lie to me. Satan, you will not cheat me out of what belongs to me. It is still possible. It's still possible. In the book of Hebrews 11, 11, the Bible says, Sarah, by faith, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive after she has passed the age of childbearing. Why? She judged him faithful. Who has promised? In other, it's another way of saying it is still possible. She believed it is still possible. Do you believe it is still possible? Yeah. Do you believe it is still possible? Yeah, yeah you are 50 years old and somebody saying you can't have a child again. It is still possible. Yeah. You are 55 years old, somebody saying you can't get married. It is still possible. Yeah. Oh, stop with me. It is still possible. Yeah. Oh, it is still possible. It is still possible. It is still possible. It is, like, somebody is hearing, he say, oh, if all the things I know today, if I had known this 10 years ago, I wonder where I would be. It is still possible. You are not too old. It is still possible. I say it is still possible. Somebody said, but I have applied to the immigration and you know, I've made some mistakes in my application and now they've returned it to me. I wish I know what I know now. I wouldn't have made all these all these errors. You know, and this one has happened to me. I have word for you. It is still possible. It's still possible. It's still possible. It's still possible. The promise of greatness God gave your grandmother when she went to that prayer meeting early in the morning and prayed and she shed tears over her Bible that God will raise up somebody among her descendants and your mother told you your grandmother she told you when you were young you know you are going to be great you know and here you are today you look at your life nothing is looking like greatness you look at your age it's looking like it's going I want to say to you today it is still possible Oh, it is still possible. 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 I believe it with all of my heart. It is still possible. It is still possible. It is still possible. It is still possible. The quick question is, what must I do then to step out of the constraints of time? I want to step out of the constraints of time. That's the whole essence of this message, that it's still possible. It means you're stepping out of the constraints of time and space. Lord, what can I do? What should I do? What steps should I take? Well, some of them might not sound a bit practical to you, but some of them will be sound practical to you in a few seconds. The first thing, I'm going to share four things with you quickly. The first thing you should do, please pay attention to this. Change your perspective. That's where it starts. Renew your mind. Change your perspective. You can't take actions. You can't take actions and be expecting possibilities when in your mind you're having impossibilities. Your life will only go in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. So you can't, in your mind, you can't have a mindset that is not doable and you're taking actions to try 
to see, to attempt. Listen to what the Bible says. By faith, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea as of dry land. The Egyptians attempting to do the same. You were drowned. Many Christians attempt. But the Bible says the children of Israel, by faith, renew your mind, change your perspective. It is still possible. It is still it's still possible. One of my daughters, sometimes ago, many, many years ago, 2010, 2011, as a matter of fact, this one, I have to tell you who the person is. It's my daughter that just sang the song, Jesus, I lift up your name. You know, she had just come out of university, had a master's degree, and then she studied engineering in McGill, then she had had a master's degree after that, and she was looking for a job. And then she had gone for this interview. Wanted to work with one of you. This was many, many, many years ago now. 13 years ago, something like that. She was looking for, she wanted to work with one of these consultancy firms. Specifically, it was, it was one of these big first um, five uh, consultancy firms. She wanted to work with them here in Canada. So she applied. She went for the interview and everything. And, you know, they came back to tell her that, you know, so sorry, the job is not hers. You know, but she had prayed. She had believed it was going to be her. She had been ministered to in her spirit. It's yours. But they've written a letter. I mean, the letter is in her hands, telling her it's not yours. Sorry. We regret. You two can't start regretting. <laughs> she had the letter in her hands. Then she, she told me. I said, but that job is your job. She looked at me. Strangely, I can imagine that's the same way Peter was looking at Jesus. Strange. I think it was weeks later or so, or a month later or so, they called her back. They called her. I said, are you still interested in the job? <laughs> True life story. They give it to her. Friends, listen to me. I saw this scripture many, many years ago. It changed my thinking. Exodus 34 verse 10. It changed my thinking. Exodus 34 verse 10. Look at what it says. And God was speaking to Moses. He said, behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels. What kind of marvels? I understand you will do marvels. I get marvels. Thank you. Thank God for marvels. He said, but I will do marvels as I have not been done in all the earth. Now, what this tells me is this. When I saw this, it means just because it's unprecedented does not mean it's impossible. Just as it has never been done. Just because it's unprecedented. You say, someone say, have you ever had somebody like that? That didn't happen to somebody like that. Even if they've never had it, it won't happen to me. My case is different. My case is different. Unprecedented. No problem. I have a scripture for it. I have a scripture to cover miracles that are unprecedented. Just because that's never happened before. When Moses and Chirobis crossed the Red Sea, where was the precedence? No precedence. No precedence. When Joshua stopped the sun, what was the precedence? No precedence. Have you ever seen anybody go into the lion's den and come out? No precedence. Fiery furnace? No precedence. Kill a giant with a stone? No precedence. No precedence for all of these things. No precedence. Nevertheless, I will do my best. That has never been done in any nation. For somebody here today, it is still possible. For somebody here today, it is still possible. <laughs> Your son has left home. Your daughter has left home. They're no longer listening to you. You don't even know where some of them are. They're doing things that are contrary to the will of God. I want to let you know that that daughter will serve God. It is still possible. That that son of yours will be on fire for God. It is still possible. It is still still possible. Change your perspective. You see, this is what you have to understand. Change your perspective. Believe. Yes, it is true. You're looking at a man called Wale Akinshiko that his father gave 
that name to praise God for him. God bless him where he is. He's in Nigeria enjoying himself. I honor him and I bless him. But, it's, but you see, what I'm looking at today is not all of you. What you're looking at today is not all of me. If you think this is all of me, you'll be making a big mistake. If I think this is all of you, I'll be making a big mistake. You are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit, not spiritual. Is spirit. Listen very carefully. Listen. You are not a physical human being having spiritual experiences once in a while. You are a spirit being. That is having a temporary natural experience. That natural experience can be the number of years God allocates for you on this earth. But you are a spirit being. Someone say, I'm a spirit being. Oh, say it like you believe it. I'm a spirit being. Say it. Terrorize the person next to you. I'm a spirit being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even know who they're living with. If you're sitting beside your husband, your wife, they don't even know who they're living with. Sitting next to your husband, sitting next to your family, just tell them, I'm a spirit being. Yeah, scare them a little bit. They don't even know who they've been living with. They don't know who they're living with. I'm a spirit being. You're a spirit being. And then the Bible says, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the word spirit and the word wind is from the same Greek word, pneuma. And the Bible now says, the wind blows. The wind blows. The wind blows where it wishes. You don't know where it's coming from? You can't even anticipate where it's going next. The wind does not blow where it has been constrained to go. The wind says, this is where I'm going. You stand in this way. We just saw the hurricane in Florida. Everything must bow before the wind. If, if, if it comes as a tropical storm and you don't bow, it says, no problem. I'm just going to have to go back. Listen very carefully. I'm, I'm going to science now. You're just going to go back over water, get some warm air. Once warm air comes in, it will increase the velocity, the speed of the wind. Then the hurricane category will jump from category one to two to three. Sometimes it can even jump from one to four. Then when it enters category five, woe be tied to the person that stands in front of it. <laughs> and you know, these hurricanes, you know, respectfully, respectfully, this is my own opinion. Any hurricane that is named after a woman, they seem to be more forceful. Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> when they say something is coming, Hurricane Solomon, I say it's okay. It's okay. But once they put the name of a woman, Hurricane Mary, ah, ah, stop praying. You're a spirit being. You are now a partaker of divine nature, so you can escape the corruption that is in this world. You can step out of it. You can step out of impossibilities into possibilities. Somebody say it again, it is still possible. So change your perspective. Stop thinking it cannot be done. If it has never been done before, then you'll be the first person to enjoy such a testimony. You will be the first person to enjoy such a testimony. Again, you will be the first to enjoy such a testimony. Second thing you should do, change your priorities. Change your priorities. Number one, change your perspective. Number two, change. Come on, speak to me. Change. Change your priorities. Listen to me, friends. The word of God is the raw material for the supernatural. The word of God is the raw material for the supernatural. If the Holy Ghost is moving, you're praying in tongues, you're fasted, you prayed, but there's no word, then there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to confirm. Mark chapter 16, verse 20. They went everywhere preaching. God the Lord was walking with them. The Lord here is talking of the Holy Spirit. Was walking with them because Jesus Christ had now, of course, ascended to heaven. The Lord was walking with them and he was confirming, confirming the word. 
confirming the word through accompanying size confirming the word what he was confirming was the word and he was confirming that the way we know is that in other words he was bringing about possibilities that when there were accurate reflections accurate reflection of the word inside them let me repeat that he was bringing about possibilities in their life that is an accurate reflection of the word they have received in their heart that's why the Bible says your word have I hidden in my heart he was bringing about look at it again now Acts chapter 14 verse 3 then they stayed there for a long time speaking boldly in the Lord okay who was granting that the word of his grace was backing it up with signs 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 it's important for us to know the supernatural in the kingdom of God in the kingdom of God is impossible without the word of God so friends you maybe you've been cheating yourself by not placing priority on the word I told you on Friday whatever the person of God can do the word of God accompanied by the power of the Holy Ghost can do it can do it change your priorities focus on the word focus on the word in the book of Luke chapter 10 verse 38 to 42 you know the story Mary and Martha go check it at home you know for other references you know Jesus Christ told Martha he said Mary one thing is needful Mary has chosen that good part in other words listen what it means is this what it means is that Mary has chosen in other words it's a choice don't say I don't have time if you say I don't have time you have made a choice not to focus on the word I'm too busy you have made your choice Oh, God sees that I'm buried. I'm too busy. You've made a choice. Oh, I'm working three jobs. You have made your choice. Focus on the word. How many times in my life has God's word come to me and has delivered me? The word. The word. The word. The word. It is what God confirms. Gives the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, the third person of the Trinity that is here with us on earth. Give him something to work with. He's, you, 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 he's been moving in our lives. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Moving in our lives. Some of you have felt his presence, but you have not given him the tool. The earth was without form and void. Darkness on the surface of the earth. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. But guess what? Nothing has still happened until then. The Lord said, what has God said to you? Can I tell you what God has said to me? Psalm 37 verse 37. The living Bible. <laughs> Come on, come on, what does it say? Summarize it, what does it say? I have a wonderful future with a happy ending. The end of a matter is better than the beginning. Though my beginning is small, my latter end. Since I know how this movie is going to end, then I rejoice. Since I know how this movie, I'm not confused. I know how it's going to end. It's going to end in my favor. Is it going to end in your favor? I can't hear you. Is it going to end in your favor? This is the word of God. Keep it in your heart. Then God now confirms it with the wonderful future. You have to keep it in your heart. You have to spend time in God's word. And that's what we're doing from Sunday when we do this. I can never fail. Step by step, I'm going to start from assuming complete zero knowledge. It's going to be like taking you to a whole Bible school, actually. I'm going to start with completely zero knowledge assumption and take you from, from, from zero knowledge. I'm going to start from why is the Bible the word of God? Can we trust the Bible? Zero knowledge. Because some people, the reason why you're not paying, the reason why you go to work is because you can trust they will give you a paycheck. 
You trust. But people read the Bible about I know it's a religious book. My father used to tell me to read it. So I'm reading that. But the pastor talks a lot about it. Stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word. That's what I'm doing. Because you have not found out that that word I've <laughs> found, you know, <laughs> and it's a rejoicing unto my soul. You've not come to discover that the word of God, treasures are loaded in it. Change your priorities. Let's move quickly because of time. Number three, very important. If you live in this country, please listen to me very carefully. If you're watching online from different parts of the world, it applies to you also. The first thing is change your perspective. Second thing is change your priorities. The third one is ignore the mockery of men. Anybody that wants to do anything great will be mocked. Let me repeat that. Anybody that wants to do anything great will be mocked. I think I need to repeat that again. Anybody that wants to do anything great in this world will be mocked. So another way of saying it is this. If you have not been mocked, check it. What you're doing is too small. Or what you're attempting to do is too small. Anybody that wants to do anything great will be mocked. This is where some people stop. They have the faith, they have the courage, they start, they want to do something, and they expect everybody to agree and celebrate them at the beginning of the venture. Ha! And then when somebody suddenly, that has even been maybe supported them in their last season, it's not supporting them in this season, they suddenly say, ah, I don't even know anymore. They begin listening very carefully. The applause of man is good. It encourages us emotionally and everything. But the time comes, there are realms of destiny you have to get step into. You're the only one that will have to cheer yourself up. There are realms of destiny you step into. You're the only one that have to cheer yourself up. At that beginning stage, it looks like you are now a failure. And you know, success has many family. In this part of the world, they don't know how to celebrate graduation parties. I just remember a flash now when my mom, my late mom, when I graduated from pharmacy school, University of Ife, you know, just before I was 21, and I was doing my graduation in the school. Please don't make fun of my mom. My mom and her friends. Come on, are you with me now? My mom and her friends, they wore the same clothes. Some of you might not understand, but I know some of you understand. They wore the same clothes. They came to the place. We had some, you know, beat, dancing. It was, a, it, was, it was a serious one. It was a serious one. You know, they had all of that. Success had many. Some of those people that came with my mom, some of those are friends, you say, hey, Wale, my son. Wale, my son. It's only one woman that gave birth to me out of all of them. But all of, all of them are not their son. Because success has many families. Now, if they had thrown me out of school after the first semester, they would have said, ah, that's the son of... Say, failure is an orphan. Failure is an orphan. That's the point I'm trying to make. Success has many families. Failure is an orphan. And this is what you have to understand. Because once you start, people are not sure. So they might not rally around you. As you continue to go, you be your own principal cheerleader. You continue to go, you continue to go, you continue to go, then success begins to come. Then the people begin to say, ah, let's go, let's go, let's go. They say, ah, we already know you will be a doctor now. We've been saying it. 
We'll be saying it that, you know, in fact, I told your mom when you were very young that you look like a doctor. You see? Now the boy is about, he's come out of school, he's doing his residence now, he's been got in the match, he's now doing oncology, he's doing gynecology, he's doing family medicine. Now everybody's saying doctor, doctor. Because of course he's going to start earning half a million dollars. So we're a doctor. Everybody has to be in the good books now. But this was the same person that when the mother said, this guy was having some challenges. When the mother said, you say, I'm not even sure. You see all these parents, this is what they do. No, that's how it is. That's how it is. That's how life is. Ignore the mockery of men. Let's look at this in scripture. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 19 to 20. Nehemiah was called to build a wall. He was called to build a wall. It was difficult. It was tough. It was at the risk of his life. It was already in the foreign land. And it was about to go and there were already occupiers in that land. And these occupiers, look at, even look at their names. You can see that these are forces. Sambalat. Now, you, from that name already, I don't know, I've not met him, but you can say he's a fat big man. The name shows it. Can't you see the name? Sambalat. Then the horror movie. I mean, sorry, Horror Nights. Then it's Tobiah. That Tobiah shows is somebody that is very deceptive. That's that people that will come to you and say, oh, I know we're with you, but they're not with you. Tobiah. You can see his name. Then there's Geshem. Hmm. Geshem the Arab. He's the one that you think is going to give you the money. <laughs> the Arab Khashoggi. But the money is not there. The Bible said they laughed at us. They even despised us. And they said, what is this thing? They called your own destiny this thing. They calling your own future this thing. There's a way people despise your future. I started out as a pastor. People dis- despised my future. They despised me. Look at me, pharmacist. You go into full-time ministry. You start ministry at the age of 30, go into full-time ministry. 2002, I was 31 years old. So I was 32 years old on my way to 33. In that year, they look at me. Something is, we've already known that you're a madman. Now, there's no doubt about that. And, you st- and I started zero income. Talk about how mad I can be. Zero income. I remember one of my friends that was one year ahead of me in pharmacy school, in of himself and some of his friends, out of concern, sincerely and genuinely, for genuine love. Genuine love. Genuine love. They called me out of concern and they said to me, ah, you know, we're just concerned for you. And I feel for them and I respect them for that. But I told them, I said, that's what it's called, to, called me to do. Today now, it's worth it. It will not, it might not look at like it at the beginning, but it is at the end that it will speak. It is at the end. Ignore the mockery of men. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. Come on now. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? You know, this is what they say to, about us in this country. What are these feeble Jews doing? They call you all manners of names. Don't call yourselves the names they're calling you. They call you refugee, they call you unwanted immigrants. They call you colored people. 
They call you all kinds of names. Please don't use those names for yourself. My mother used to tell me, God bless her wisdom. My mother say, said to me, when you're going, somebody can call you. Stupid. Stupid, come. Stupid. Stupid is you I'm calling. My mother said, the person has a right to call you anything they want to call you. You have a right not to answer. Once you turn back and say, I'm not stupid, then how did you hear? How did you hear you when you want to call it? You just ignore them. Oh, someone said, but I, I, I actually need scripture. Thank you. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Avoid foolish and ignorant arguments for they only generate strife. Ignore them. Look at it again. Just in case you look for another scripture. After all, in the matter of two or three witnesses, the word is confirmed. Romans 16, 17. I'm teaching you how to succeed in this country. You have to ignore the mockery of men. I urge you, brethren, not those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine you have learned. Avoid them. You have to ignore it. You have to ignore it. You have to ignore it. You have to be of good courage. You have to stay strong and be of good courage. Here you are today. You're working on a low level. But the dream in you is that you wanted to study medicine. But somehow, some years back, you couldn't put the money together. You couldn't pass your MCAT and everything. Now you've been hearing messages about don't forget your dreams. Then you wake up. At your age now, you go get a form. You want to go, you want to get your high school thing together. And you want to go and do MCAT. And somebody say, MCAT. Is it people like you they're looking for that? Okay, okay. Even if you finish everything, you finish, you get your MD. You know you still have to do residency, right? To practice. And you know there's a, a matching program. Who's going to match you? You see, and they say, I've never heard of anybody in their 40s being matched. You see, and they speak facts that are contrary to destiny. And some people take that and believe it. I want to say to somebody here, it is still possible. Let me say this to you. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen. No matter what the enemy has put in place, there is always a loophole. Every plan of the... God will never allow the enemy to crystallize his plan in your life without a loophole there. I saw this many years ago when I was studying the story of the temple of Dagon. They bought the land, awarded the contract, met the architects, sat down, drew the plan, put columns in place. You can build a building without columns. You can build a building with very far, like these columns we have in this auditorium right now. You know, look at the distance. There's no way one man can put his two hands on these columns there. But as they were building, God said, ah, a time is coming in the future where they will bring somebody here and I will need, them, need him to destroy all these people. So inspired the architects, since it's the Lord of hosts, inspired the architects to put two columns in place that would be at the reach of the hand of Samson. And they built that in place. They decorated it. And somebody would have come there and said, this is an amazing design. It is the greatest vulnerability of that temple. But God allowed them to put it in there structurally. There is always a structural defect in the plan of the enemy. And they put something in between it. And something blind, beaten, afflicted, chained. He said, just let me feel the columns. He felt the columns. And he said a simple prayer. God was been waiting. 
So, Lord, strengthen me this once. <laughs> strengthen me this once. God said, you got it. I will strengthen you. And the Bible said, the number of people he killed on that day were more than the people he has killed for 40 years. Friends, listen to me. There is no plan, no plan of the enemy that does not have a loophole. They might have told you in this country, there is no way. Even the lawyer can tell you, there is no way. And they are not lying. The doctor cannot, they are not lying. Lawyers, accountants, they are not lying. They've told you there is no way this will ever change. I've been practicing in this country 35 years. This I'm looking at, it will never change. The story of a woman in House of Praise, or this lady was in House of Praise, she, she was having some challenges with her husband. So they emigrated here, and she was having some challenges. The husband went back to Nigeria. And it was a big challenge. She was filing in, putting in place, trying to get her immigration papers sorted out. And all of a sudden, the husband was telling her, you know, you're going to do this, you must come back home, and all of that. And the battle was raging. The woman said, I've been here now, let me just get my papers. The husband got tired. You know what the husband did? I'm telling you a true life story. The husband wrote a letter to the Prime Minister of Canada, Immigration Minister of Canada, her lawyer, and the Ontario Bar Association. Copied all of them. The woman brought the letter. I was driving to church on that day in our previous building. The woman, I met the woman in the car park. The woman and her sister in the car park, they were rolling on the floor. The stress. So I look at the letter. I said to the woman, she said, everybody, I went to my lawyer. My lawyer said, please, 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 take your thing. They've reported me to the Ontario Bar Station. Please, please, just take your thing. Nobody wanted to touch it. Ah. Nobody wanted to touch it. So I took the letter. I said, nobody wanted to touch your kids, but God will touch it. Amen. We took the letter. We took it to the altar. We knelt down. We cried out to God, the Most High God. And I gave her a letter. I said, we're trusting God. Let's see what God will do. Suddenly, I told her, I said, find another lawyer. She called around. She found another lawyer. Look, listen to this. She took the letter to the lawyer. Immediately, the lawyer saw the letter. The lawyer said to the woman, said, congratulations. Ah. He said, have you not read what is there? He said, this is a very, very good evidence that if you go back, this man will kill you. Because this, any man that can write to the prime minister does not have a good intention at that. That, it was on that premise that they gave the woman a common residency. What the enemy meant for evil. Please stay with me while I'm sharing with you. You think it's the end of the story. There is always a structural deficit in the plan of the enemy. And I'm praying for somebody here today. It is still possible for you. Ignore the mockery of men. There will always be mockers, doubters, despisers, negative people around you. Ignore them. God doesn't take them away. So don't pray that they should go away. Because you will always rule in the midst of your enemies. So you have to ignore them. Don't quit your stand of faith because of your flaky friends. Don't quit your stand of faith just to please your flaky friends. And number four, let me wrap it up here today. In the midst of all of that, make sure you connect with prophetic grace. In the midst of all of this, as it's going on, connect with prophetic grace. The Bible says the children of Israel were building the house of God in Ezra chapter 4. And the Bible says the house of God stopped. The project stopped. Then the Bible says God raised up two prophets and they started helping them. Ezra chapter 5 verse 1 to 4. You have to connect with prophetic grace. You see, 
What effort cannot the grace can do? What effort cannot the grace can do? What is hard on one level, I'm telling you, is very is a simple matter on another level of grace. It's a very important thing. Don't let your life lack somebody that is higher than you spiritually that can speak into your life. Please don't join the people on the streets that have spiritual vagabonds. They don't have people that can speak into their life. There will be times in your life when the battle will be hard that it is the covenant of the people that can speak into your life that God will answer. Are you hearing what I'm saying, somebody? Have people that can speak into your life. Don't let your life be without prophetic grace. I can tell you for sure, by the grace of the Almighty God, my life is a summation of prophetic grace. I've been around in many situations where things have been extremely hard. And God has always brought me across one great man of God, another great man of God, one great man of God. I can share many, many testimonies with you. And one great man of God, another great man of God. And in honoring them, it triggers grace. In honoring them, it triggers grace. In honoring them, it triggers grace. And just one word, one word, one sentence, one phrase, and that's it. What was hard before, suddenly becomes easy. Believe in God, you'll be established. Believe in the people he sent to you. Prophetic grace, prophets, you will prosper. The word prosperous, shalak, it doesn't just mean money. It's not about money. It's about advancing. It's about faring well in life. It's about making progress, sustainable progress in life. And I'm praying for you, you make sustainable progress in Jesus' mighty name. Please, you have to understand that it is true that you might be able to quote scriptures like others can quote scriptures, but you have to understand it's not just about verbalizing scriptures. It's also about the business transactions on the back end that certain people have made with God over the years that has made God made a vow over their lives. And that vow is what speaks for you when they speak over your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In 2008, 2008, I was in one very deep challenge. But I had a chance of wrapping up now. I had a chance, I'm going to start praying now. I had a chance of traveling to Ghana to attend the conference of Dr. Mensah Otabel. You know what, how he is to me. You know, we had become very close two years prior to that. And I was in Ghana. I went for his conference. As I was in the conference, I was in pain. I was listening to the sermons, getting everything else, but I was in a lot of pain. I will never forget it was November 2008 because I remember that Barack Obama won the election. I, was in, I had that announcement. I was in Accra, Ghana. All of a sudden, a friend of mine said to me, Dr. Otabi wants to have dinner with us tonight. You like us, you know, you've come from Canada, you just wanted to have dinner. He's a very precious son of Dr. Otabel. So myself and him, both of us, we went to dinner with Otabels in their house. I will never forget. I sat down in his house. It was supposed to just be a fellowship. We're having dinner casually. All of a sudden, my friend just asked me a question. Asked the, now listen to me, I'm being very open with you. As he asked Dr. Otabel the question, I was sitting, Dr. Otabi was sitting, my friend was sitting in the, across the room, 
As he asked Dr. Otabel the question, now Dr. Otabel, he has known Dr. Otabel since he was a teenager, maybe age 14 or so. Dr. Otabel actually conducted his wedding, so they're very close. He asked him a simple question. As he asked him the question, it was Dr. Otabel he was asking the question. As he asked the question, tears just started rolling down my eyes. I was sitting in Dr. Otabel's house. Tears just started rolling down my eyes because of the pain I was going through. 2008 November. God will bless Dr. Otabio. He's a very seasoned man of God. He could tell that this young man is in a lot of pain. And he spoke, he spoke, and looked very lovingly, he just said to me, Wally, he didn't even ask me the details, but he could sense it, he could sense something spiritually that it has to do with ministry, because there's pain in it. I was telling you that. Don't just look at Suto. <laughs> there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain in it. There's gain in it, but there's a lot of pain in it. He could sense it. Then he just started speaking. Started speaking. And he spoke very unusual words of comfort. And I was comforted. And after we broke bread, we ate, we were about to go. He said, Well, let me pray for you. Immediately I dropped on my knees. And he prayed for me. As the Spirit put it in his heart, he spoke in tongues. Then he prayed for me and blessed me. And, you know, I felt at one point that maybe he just wanted to hold my hands. And, you know, after you pray for somebody, you want to shake their hand and just, you know, give them the casual lift and they can just stand up. He held my hand. But he held my hand. He didn't make a motion to pull me up. He just held the hand. And he did like this. Strength. Strength, Lord. Strength. That, that connection unusual strength and grace came into me. I left, I came out of that place, I called my wife. I left Ghana. I was refreshed. I was fired up. Fired up. I came back to Canada. The challenges I was facing melted away right before me. Grace. 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 It's very important. In this life, in Christianity, in the kingdom of God, we are never self-made. If you see anybody that is doing any exploits, I guarantee you, it is, a, it is composite grace. People have spoken over them. Maybe their grandmother prayed for them. Their great-grandmother spoke, prophesied to them. Their mother took them into one, one CAC meeting one time long ago, apostolic meeting somewhere. Like it happened to me at age 10, my grandmother dragged me. God bless that woman, Mama Lydia. She went... She dragged me to one CAC meeting. She, she dragged me to the place. I said, I don't want to go. She said, you will go. You will go. She put me there. They prayed. They said, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the blood of Jesus. They prayed the prayer. It was like thunder. A 10-year-old. I'm like, what am I doing here? But you know what? After going repeatedly, the spirit jumped into me. Now also, even when I'm the only one at home, I can't pray silently. She I have to shout. The spirit, the spirit jumped on me. I can't. My wife said, take it easy. It's only the two of us. It's just morning devotion. I said, how? How? The spirit has sent it to me. Apostolic faith. Your grandmother spoke over you. Spoke over you. They took you to the church. They lay hands on you. They spoke over you. And you're here, you're here struggling. And you said, when, Lord, when? When, Lord, when? When, Lord, when? Somebody is here under the top of my birthday is thinking, when am I going to get married? When? When, Lord? 
What am I going to carry my own children? When, Lord, when? My children are a strength for me. When are they going to ever come back home? I call them. They don't even pick my calls anymore. Lord, what is happening? Cheer up. It is still possible. It is still possible. It is still possible. I want to assure you today by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. You came into this auditorium today. You're watching online right now. Our online family members, listen carefully to me. By this service today, that which was impossible before, God will shift you to a new season of possibilities. God, He will shift you to a new season of possibilities. God, we shift you to a new season of possibilities. In the name of Jesus, He will shift you to a new season of possibilities. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.